0: Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, Certified Career Coach and Job Search Advisor with iHire.
1: iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire.
0: In this episode, we're going to take a journey through the stars and explore the personal branding secrets from the crew of the Starship Enterprise. If you're a Trekkie, you won't want to miss this. We'll be breaking down their strategies and showing you how to apply them to build your personal brand. By the end of this episode, you will be ready to set yourself apart from the rest of the crowd, Trekkie style.
1: Here are the latest trends, topics, and tips that will help you in your job search.
0: When it comes to building your personal brand, the first step is understanding what that actually means. It may not be a term that comes up in everyday conversation, but each one of us has our own unique personal brand.
1: You can really help your personal brand.
0: And when you're on the hunt for a job, it becomes even more important to make a positive, lasting impression. Luckily, we can learn a lot from the characters of Star Trek when it comes to a strong personal brand. From Captain Kirk to Mr. Spock, they all have their own very unique brands that make them stand out. Do you even know who I
1: am? I think I do. Weren't you one of the little rascals?
0: So what can we learn from them as we work on building our own personal brands? One important lesson we can learn from Star Trek is the power of leveraging our strengths. Just like how Spock and Data use their unique mental abilities to overcome challenges, we should identify what makes us stand out and use it to build a strong brand. If you have expertise in a certain area, it's important that you emphasize that in a cover letter in your resume and your LinkedIn profile. This will really help you to highlight your unique value and differentiate yourself from others in your industry. Sounds
1: like magic.
0: When it comes to building a strong brand, simply showcasing your skills isn't enough. You also need to network strategically with other professionals. Just like the crew members of the USS Enterprise rely on each other for guidance and support, you need to seek out mentors or join professional groups that can really be helpful in establishing that strong brand. By connecting with others in your field and learning from their experiences, you can build valuable relationships and gain insights into how to make a lasting good first impression. Building a strong brand also involves more than just showcasing your strengths and networking. Explain. It's also important to be adaptable and open to change. A great example of this are the characters Captain Jean-Luc Picard and Commander Riker. What now? From Star Trek. They remain calm and confident in the face of any challenges that are thrown their way. And they're willing to put aside their personal beliefs and agendas to serve the greater good. They excel at navigating tricky diplomatic situations and making bold decisions when necessary. May fortune favor the bold. By being open-minded and flexible, they stay ahead of the competition and achieve success, and you can do this too in any circumstance. Star Trek is an amazing source of inspiration when it comes to building your personal brand. By focusing on your strengths, networking strategically and staying adaptable, you can really set yourself apart from the competition and make lasting good first impressions on those around you. So with these Star Trek secrets in mind, you're ready to go boldly where no one has gone before and build a personal brand that truly stands out. Our guest today is Ken Troop, co-founder of Sports Biz Builders and an adjunct professor of sports management at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. Ken has over 25 years of experience in sports sales and marketing, and he's worked with top organizations like the Atlanta Braves, the New York Giants, the Dallas Stars, and the Houston Astros. And in this episode, he'll share his expert career advice on building your personal brand
1: let's hear from today's featured guests who has found their niche
0: well ken it's so lovely to have you today i am very excited to talk to you especially because you're a career coach and i'm a career coach as well so i i feel like we're kindred spirits here and we're going to have a great time on this podcast
2: I don't know if I'm so much a career coach. I'm just a person with a long career in the sports industry that has advice to give to people that are looking to get in the industry.
0: I think that that counts as a career coach.
2: (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. So tell me about uh, Sports Biz Builders. What do they do and what do you do for them?
2: Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of Sports Biz Builders with One of my longest uh, industry friends, Tom Sheraton. Tom and I have been friends forever. He had the same uh, sales kind of job at the White Sox and I was at the Rangers for a long time. So we've just always been friends. And, um, you know, I had this crazy idea to start a, you know, start a business during a pandemic.
1: Oh, no.
2: So, and it really, it's an interesting story because I've always been very out there on LinkedIn and Twitter for sure, you know. Um, and I've always been just, my mantra has always been, I'll give advice, you know, just if you need advice on how to be successful, just let me know. And this kid reached out to me that had worked at the Yankees for like six weeks, you know, this 22 year old kid just started his career in ticket sales at the Yankees. He goes, Hey, I've been furloughed. What do I do? You know, and like, this was June of 2020, right? Right. When the pandemic was starting. Right. Right or a month in anyway, or a month and a half in, whatever it was.
0: We were all supposed to be back to work by then.
2: Yeah. Right. So I I jumped on the phone with him and I talked to him for like 30 minutes and I just gave him some advice and, um, you know, just kind of walked him through what he wants to do and where he's trying to get. He actually wound up landing, you know, later that year back um, with the devils across the, across the way, across the Hudson there. Then I got in the Jeep to drive to Colorado from Dallas for a socially distanced wedding. And um, I just started thinking about, man, I've been giving away advice for a long time. There's got to be a way to monetize this. And then I started really the idea behind Sports Biz Builders. I started thinking about my own career and those little things where if I would have done this a little bit different or that a little bit different. And like, I really think about the first time I interviewed for a vice president job, like I had no idea what I was doing, right? I didn't know how to prep for that job. I knew what I was doing. I didn't know how to prep for that interview. Right, right. And after talking to this this, this um, individual that was at the Yankees, it just started me thinking and getting worried about, man, we might lose a generation of sports marketers. You know, I mean, I teach at SMU in the sports management program. So I'm helping teaching and developing the next generation of sports marketers every day uh, with one of my side hustle jobs. And I just was worried that we we're going to lose the industry was going to lose a whole generation of people. So I started thinking about it on my drive and I was like, Oh man, I should let's, talk, I called Tom and I go, I got this idea that we should start a coaching career coaching business. That's going to help kids that are getting furloughed out and help them identify how to get back in. So we mapped it out on the back of the napkin, you know, over zoom for, you know, three months. And then in September, 2020, we officially launched sports biz builders and we try to be, like 60, 70% coaching, career counseling, and then like six, like 30% strategy work because we both like that. We've been in the ticketing world and the sales marketing world and sports forever. And I've always loved like the ideas and concepts of building new fans and selling more tickets and things like that. So we try to find this balance between coaching and then having strategy type clients as well.
0: So the strategy type clients would be more corporate.
2: Yeah, uh, really kind of startup, you know, tech, sports tech space and things like that. We actually have a a client right now, Rakoti, which is a SaaS um, platform that is going to allow teams to capture fan-generated content and then repurpose it. It's going to allow them to monetize it with sponsors. It's going to allow them to get better fan insight with AI. And then it's going to allow them to um, also really increase their fan engagement year round, right? Which is a hot button buzzword in the sports industry right now. Fan engagement, how can we improve upon it? So it's been a lot of fun, you know, along with the coaching.
0: Right, right. I love that you had the idea in your car. That's when I have my best ideas. When I'm driving long trip by myself, it's like things start to click and then you can't write it down anywhere. (laughs) It's like, I've I've got to tell somebody about this because it's such a great idea.
2: Well, I had a former boss at the Rangers that used to, like, he had shower thoughts, right? Ah,
0: Yeah. And he would always
2: ask everybody, hey, what are your three best shower thoughts of the day, right? Right. So I've always been in that mindset of always thinking about what's next? How do I improve? And I I do it a lot when I run. I'm a big runner. And when I'm running, I like to try to think about, you know, my day and ideas and things like that. But to your point, (laughs) no place to write it down when you're you're running.
0: Right. Note to self on your phone.
2: Yeah. But (laughs) – just to further build on sports biz builders, it's, you know, we initially were going to help individuals get back in the business, but we started calling people in the business that we know and they're like, Hey, and I, we actually had a really good friend that go, Hey, can I give you guys as a holiday gift? I want to give three hours of like coaching to my staff that's currently with me. Right. What and a that great kind idea. of us, that made us pivot a little bit on the fly on the back of the napkin. We pivoted even further. We had to add a second napkin. And now teams hire us direct to just work with their staffs. Right. And it was really kind of because the staffs were abused and hurt and damaged that guilt and things like that that didn't get let go, that was still there. And also they were looking for stuff for them to do during during when they're not actively selling every day during the pandemic, I think. Right. But we've really tapped into something with teams hire us direct to work with their entire staffs. And we the way we do our coaching, we do three one hour sessions. Right. And it's two on one. It's Tom and I and one under, and the individual we're coaching and like I'll run point And then Tom is the color. And then the next time Tom's running point and I'm the color. Right. And it's really great because it really, you know how this works. Sometimes you have a one-on-one conversation, kind of either you click with that person sometimes or you don't. Mm-hmm. So having the two-on-one makes it much more of a round table type discussion. And it's really been, I think our clients would argue all day long that, They've seen an uptick in the production of the room, right? Because you prove to your staff that you're invested in their future. That's going to make them more productive when they come to work every day, you know, is is the thought process. And, And they're seeing the results of that.
0: So when you're doing these coaching sessions, are you talking about how do you increase sales? How do you become better at your job? Or are you talking about other
2: things? Number two and other. All right. So we really, you know, we get asked all the time, are you guys sales trainers? I'm like, yeah, we know how to teach sales, but that's not what we're focused on. We're career coaching builders. And we, you know, a lot of times you'll get like a 23 year old sales rep that's just moved to your town. We just teach them how to be an adult. Yeah. You know, what a network, how to get, and we really focus on in our onboarding process, not to give away too much of the secret sauce, but we have them fill out a pretty comprehensive, um, questionnaire. Mm -hmm. Like what's their approach? How do they sell? How do they come to work every day? What are their goals? What do they want to do? Like that. Right. And then we basically have them go through all those answers and then it pivots from there. It's every interaction, every coaching session for us is highly customized. If they need more like life coaching, we focus on that. They need more networking coaching. We focus on that more sales focus. We focused on that. Right. But we're a big believer and I'm a big, huge believer Have always been on the importance of relationship when you're selling. Yes. Building relationships leads to sales, especially when you're selling sports. We like to say, look, you're in the collection, you're in the connection collection business when you're selling sports, right? You're not trying to sell them anything. You're just getting your digital business card on their desk. So they go, "Oh, I know somebody at the at the Red Wings. I need to call that person." Right. You know, I know somebody at the d I need to call that person, right? If and when they need tickets. Right.
0: You want to be their hookup. So, yeah. Tell me about your career journey and how you got into this role.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you 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 sent me some pre-questions and I and I read this question. The run one, one thing I wrote was reinvention, reinventing myself three times basically. So I'm kind of a unicorn. I was 18, 17 years old. I was playing junior college baseball. You know, I was 19. And I grew up in LA. Peter Uberoth was the president of the Olympic Committee in 84. And then, like, two years later, he was baseball commissioner. And I was just getting out of high school. And he was baseball commissioner. And I was like, wait, how?" he was just in charge of the Olympics. And now he works in baseball, which is what I love and what I want to do. How did, like, that was the first time that I realized that I could work in sports and not necessarily have to, I was still dreaming of playing, you know, left field for the Dodgers back then. Right. But that's when I made that connection when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old, 17, 18, 19 years old, that man, I can work in sports if I can't play. I don't think a lot of, sometimes, you know, you get to school and then you're like, okay, what do I, what do I want to do? And so I I had that. Texas A&M had one of the only sports management programs back then in fall of 90 or the fall of 89, excuse me, spring of nineties when I started at A&M. You know, I, I actually saw a movie that lit a fire under my ass and said, okay, I've played baseball for a couple of years. I'm not going to make it. I got to figure it out. I got to get to school. A&M had a sports management program. I knew nothing about Texas A&M except my sister had gone there and I applied, I got turned down, I wrote a letter <laughs> the uh, the power of communication, right? I wrote a letter and said, "Hey, let me in. You know, I got the Aggie spirit. Here's this grainy photo of the one time I was on your campus with my sister." They sent me a letter back, a letter and said, "Hey, maybe they were calling my bluff." They said, "Hey, you move to College Station, go to the junior college for a semester, make a 3.0, we'll let you in." Oh. And I was like, Six days before school started, <laughs> and I, I went to my dad's home office and go, Hey, I'm moving to Texas tomorrow. And I just packed up and I moved to Texas.
0: Oh my so, gosh.
2: But I even remember my first interactions when I was meeting with my advisor at AM, and I was like, I'm going to work in baseball, I'm going to work for a front office of a team. That's what I want to do. And they're like, Oh no, that's impossible. You won't do it. And I just did it. Like, I've always had that mentality that if you set a goal, you can do it. Just set it and do it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I did three years or I did an internship at the Astrodome, turned into a full-time job for five bucks an hour with no benefits, you know, when I graduated, um, which turned into my first full-time job in minor league baseball. I did three minor league stops and then was driving west with my U-Haul and had turned down the Rangers for an internship in Texas the year before because I was like, look, like, I was a marketing director in minor league. I'm not going to be an intern. Yeah. And I was the only person that's ever turned him down. So I called this guy and he goes, hey, look, you're the only person that ever turned me down. Just drive, come visit with me and we'll figure out something. And that's how I wound into 12 years at the Rangers.
0: Oh, so you're yeah. on the road, you call this guy and it's like, okay, turn it off here, go in there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I was literally driving west from my U-Haul and to LA basically. And I stopped in Arlington, Texas at the ballpark in my U-Haul and my resume and got a job. <laughs>
0: That's the way it used to be done. You would walk in with your resume. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, but it, 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 it didn't used to be done with walking in with your resume cold off the street. Like I had a relationship with this person. I cultivated True. it. I, I I nurtured it a little bit when I let him know, Hey, I took this job here. I took this job there. And now I'm in South Carolina, the GM of a little minor league independent team. Thanks for your, and just kept before LinkedIn, I went old school and I sent them notes and, you know, handwritten letters and notes, and I would update them or call them and say, hey, just let you know, I'm in, this is my contact information now, right? So it still gets back to networking, which you can do now, and now you just have different means and more opportunities to do it.
0: You think about how many people get their jobs through networking, and it's the one thing that nobody wants to do, but it's the primary way people get their jobs.
2: <laughs> yeah, my students here at SMU, they probably get tired of me talking about network, network, network. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the anti-professor because I de-emphasize like grades a little bit. And like, like if you need to hit it, you know, make an A for your parents, make sure you get an A. But I'm telling you that that's not what it's its all about, building network and building knowledge in this class. Mm-hmm. I don't really not concern if you can take that knowledge and turn it into an A on a test. I'm More important, you can take that knowledge and turn it into your network that turns into a job. Right. You know, I really try to focus with my my students at SMU and even our clients that we coach, but my students with SMU, for sure. I'm like, look, you're a sophomore. You're going to be a sophomore next fall. Like this summer, if you're going to get a job, get a job in a building, a venue or something, just doing anything and just start to learn what people like and don't like about live events. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you can spin that into an interview answer. Why do you why do you sell hot dogs at Dodger Stadium? Well, I wanted to start to learn like how stadiums work and how fans enjoy stadiums and how the live experience works. So yeah, I was selling hot dogs every day, but I was paying attention the entire time to what goes on in stadium. Right, I'm learning. So everything when you're a student for sure should be collecting experiences that you can spin into a job interview answer that's going to help you get that job and stand out from the crowd because. So many, you know this, so many candidates don't really jump out from the crowd because they don't have any experiences necessarily. It doesn't have to be a true internship to be an experience.
0: Let's go into more detail about personal branding and standing out from the crowd. What kind of advice do you give people when you're trying to coach them to do that?
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really great question. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's really the core of what we do in our coaching is what is your personal brand and what does it say about you? And then what do you offer to people that are going to potentially hire you, right? And we focus a lot on, you know, really getting them to think about why do people connect with you? What business solution do you help solve as a 24-year-old rep for the Atlanta Braves, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what business solution do you solve? What do you add? Why? What are you adding to someone? Why someone should connect with you, right? Because we're such a social connected industry right now, for sure. And when you're trying to sell and build and build network, you have to give someone, everybody looks the same almost, you know, why do, you need to give somebody a reason to connect with you, whether you're, you're you know, you're really good at this, this and this, or you understand business challenges that, you know, companies that buy sweets every day, hospitality, why they're buying hospitality, not just because they're buying it because you have a good hospitality option at your venue. They were connected with you because you really understand hospitality, not just in your venue, but how to entertain, how to put on a good state clientele event, how to put on all the other options out there, right? And you're building your brand as someone who... You know, I've always had the approach of like, think about you first before I think about me. I just made this analogy in my class last yesterday, right? I'm, I'm teaching an applied management leadership class. And there's this great scene at the end of Rocky where Rocky just finished fighting, um, you know, Apollo Creed and Adrian's come running in at the end. I'm sure you've seen the film, right? Yes. Or hopefully you have. She comes running in and the first question he asks is, hey, what happened to your hat? you know, because she had this beautiful red hat on that fell off and she was racing through the crowd. Right. And I've always been struck by the fact that he just spent 15 rounds with the world champion. And then his first thought is about someone else's needs. Yeah. And that I use that with my class and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that, you know. But like, so that's kind of the, but when you're building your personal brand, I think you're not thinking about your personal brand. You're thinking about why people connect with your personal brand, if that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm I'm out there on a on a lone little branch by myself on this this concept. But you know, this is something that Tom and I talk about a lot. And we definitely think about why do people connect with you? Why do people hire you? Flipping the script, where I think a lot of candidates think about what am I offering? Right. Right. We're thinking about why are people attracted to you as a candidate, not as what are you giving them as a candidate? If that makes sense.
0: You talked about LinkedIn. What are some of your thoughts about LinkedIn and its importance as you're looking for a job?
2: first thing you have to understand, and I hope all people know this now, but I don't think they do, that every single job you look at, they're going to look at your LinkedIn profile.
0: Yes. So if your LinkedIn
2: profile is not 100% complete, and look, LinkedIn wants you to be good. It's going to tell you if your profile is bad. It's going to help you get better, right? And there's all sorts of resources on how to get your LinkedIn better. But if your LinkedIn's not good, it's incomplete, that immediately is going to have a red flag as the hiring manager. Well, they can't even have a photo, a good photo on their LinkedIn. How is that going to make them make me think they can do the job? Right. So 100 percent. And I, I've been in this space for a while because in, when I left the Rangers, I started using consulting and I was in Atlanta with the Braves and New York with the Giants. And then I was back in Dallas and I started like 2010, 11. I started carving out a LinkedIn sales training program. And teams would hire me to go in and just work with their sales rep on how to improve their LinkedIn. So it's definitely a space that I'm passionate about. That's super important. You know, now I've kind of really flipped the script a little bit on this, that, you know, your only job on LinkedIn is to be a resource to your network. Mm-hmm. People connect with you because you know your stuff about X, Y, and Z, period. Not because who you are necessarily.
0: If you could travel back to when you started and give your, your younger self some advice, what would that be?
2: Yeah, make stronger alliances and allegiance. Make better friends with your coworkers. I was very church and state. I was like, this is my job and these are my friends. Mm-hmm. And I've never wanted to be back then. Like I wanted, I, I, the point being is I wanted to encourage all my staff even when I started running a room. But my thought process was, if all my friends are coworkers and I have a bad day, I have nobody to bitch to because mm-hmm. then I'm a bitcher at work, right. Or a complainer. Right. But now you look like, go back and look at the 1999, I think, um, Tampa Bay lightning, maybe it's the Florida pan. No, Tampa Bay lightning group sales department. Chad Esses, I think was the, the director of group sales. And then all these people that worked for him are all senior level executives now, you know, and they all helped each other. And they all grew their careers together, right? I think that often we look at, I can't be friends with you because you're me and you are fighting for the same job. But you never know. You might get that job that time, then he gets the next one or she gets the next one and then you hire each other and bring each other back. And I, I underestimated the power of true, like friends in your network that are gonna help you advance your career or you're gonna help them advance their career. That'd probably be the one thing that I would recommend is that make sure you, you know, identify those two or three or four people that are on the same path to, you know, really success in this business and be good friends with them. And you guys can help each other out as you grow your careers. You're not competing against each other, you're helping each other. And I was focused, I think, a little bit on the competing against part instead of the helping against part.
0: What's one piece of advice that someone has given you over your career that really has stuck with you and helped you to succeed. That you can share with the audience.
2: I will tell you that the one, and this was an easy answer for me because it's the go-to that I go to every single time. Is that when I was an undergrad at A&M, a guy named Dave South, who did the play-by-play for the Ranger—I mean, for the, the Texas a and Aggies football and basketball forever. He came and spoke to our class. I don't remember what class it was. It was right before I did an internship. And every time you saw Dave South, hey, Dave, how you doing? Best I've ever been. He would answer the best I've ever been every single yes. time without without doubt, right? And it he expressed this importance of like, you got to have positive outlook on life and job and work, right? You might have a bad day, but you got to hide it. So when I went to work, I did an internship at the Astrodome and turned that into my full-time job. But I went there with the Dave South mentality of this is the best day I've ever had. And every, every time, every interaction with somebody, I was like, I'm the best I've ever had, best I've ever been. How are you? You know, and I made an impression with that. And that, I think, gave me my first start. And I've always had this approach and I've always had this, you know, glass half full, positive kind of outlook, thanks to Dave South who did play-by-play for the Aggies until about two years ago, I think, and retired.
1: We appreciate our featured guest for joining the Find Your Niche podcast. Now, more career advice and stories from your host, Lori Cole.
0: You've decided to quit your job and move on. How exciting. But before you say goodbye to your coworkers and that old desk chair, let's talk about something important. You have to have an exit plan. Sure, you can just pick a date and you can say, peace out. But thinking about these five things ahead of time will give you peace of mind that you're not leaving money on the table or worse yet, paying back money that you owe to the company. Check your employer's policy on bonus dates. If you're close to hitting a milestone, why not stay a little longer and snag that extra cash? Trust me, your future self will thank you for this. Don't leave money on the table. Think about your vesting dates. If you have stock options, stock units, or profit sharing, make sure you're fully vested before you leave. You don't wanna leave those poor little stocks without a home. Take a mental health day. If you have unused vacation that you'll lose, then why not take a few extra days off before your last day? Use that time to recharge and get ready for your new job. Be sure you mind the gaps. When it comes to health insurance coverage, make sure you know when your old coverage ends and your new coverage begins. You don't want any gaps in your coverage that could leave you high and dry if you have a medical emergency. Did you get a signing bonus or a relocation bonus when you started? Be extra careful to read the fine print before saying you're out of here. You might have to pay some of that money back if you leave before a certain anniversary. Considering these things will help you have a good exit plan. Take a breath and make informed decisions. And I also want to leave you with a bonus tip. You want to leave your employer on the best possible terms because you never know, you may boomerang and go back to work for that company in the future.
1: Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? Email to laurie.coal at ihire.com. Thanks for listening.